When we talk about the subject of prayer and zero in on that key word, there are times we say, well, that's kind of a tough subject for me to cope with and to bear as we think of what the Bible says in terms of we pray without ceasing. We often recognize that it's a task and so on and so forth. And no doubt it is. But I want to encourage us this morning to recognize that as we consider the subject of prayer, it is devotion to God. We, we, we center our thoughts and our wills and our emotions on Him. And it gives us tremendous freedom to be able to pray uh, to the Father about the issues that we face in life. And God's coming to us with His presence. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And as we pray and have a deep relationship with Him through prayer, we see how He relates to us. And we're not necessarily alone. Because we see the Sovereign One who's very cognizant of us, very deliberate in having a personal relationship with us, and also His plan that ultimately will lead us to the privileges of being able to reign with Him someday. And that's nurtured because of prayer, because of devotion to Him, and also His relationship uh, to us. This morning, as we think of the subject of prayer for a little bit in terms of intercessory uh, prayer, I want us to continue to look at the life of Elijah. And that is found in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 40 to 46. And the staff this past week really encouraged me to be careful as I walk on the platform because they were a little afraid that I might fall into the pool. And one of the guys had the audacity to say, well, you need your six-month bath a little early anyway, so here we are. But it's critical we come to the reality of looking at one person, that person Elijah, as it relates to his relationship with God and his intercessory prayer for the lives and hearts of others. And as we turn to verse 41 of First Kings chapter 18, we recognize that Elijah prayed believingly. Can you imagine? As he prayed believingly, and his servant was with him, he said to that servant, I hear a mighty rain. And there wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was no hint from the weather channel that there was going to be a rain in that particular day. But Elijah prayed believingly because this country, Israel, was in desperate need of rain. Uh, those of us who've done a little study on the nation of Israel recognize that as you look at Scripture from an historical perspective, uh, from a practical perspective, from a prophetic viewpoint, a lot of the truth that's given to us in the book of Revelation contains the fact that they desperately needed rain. Now, Elijah was a young guy. Just a young pup in so many ways. When he said to King Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 17, it isn't going to rain anymore until I speak. That's kind of the vernacular. 
And just think of it for a minute. As we think of God's relationship to Elijah, God's devotion to God in prayer, and His relationship to these people. Number one, God nurtured him privately with fish or meat and, of course, food from the ravens and water that kept uh, good as far as it no longer becoming polluted is concerned. He kept the water perfect until it dried up. And we see how God nurtured Elijah in his faith to give a good witness to the woman in Zarephath and be a part of believing prayers related to the resurrection of her son. And then we have this wonderful experience of bringing all the prophets of Baal together. And as a result of their prayers, and Elijah in many ways kind of mocking them, with Elijah and deep devotion to God, that wonderful relationship with the Father, being able to pray fire from heaven. An amazing scene. Wonderful things, of course. But may I suggest to you, that isn't very much when it comes to what Elijah was about to face as it relates to his ongoing ministry is concerned. We have these wonderful tributes to Elijah's prayer life. But you know something? Jezebel was about as angry as she could get. In fact, when we get into the message next Sunday, 1 Kings chapter 19, Jezebel comes out of her closet and says, Elijah, in 24 hours, you're dead. Just like as it relates to what you're doing with the Baal prophets and Baal prophets as far as 1 Kings 18 and 19 is concerned. That's tough stuff. How often in your lives are you praying about something, are part of something, that just won't go away? You've prayed about it for years. And it's still there kind of tripping you up. And it just seems that the enemy constantly has victory, whether it's in education, whether it's in the medical practice, or whether it's in the life of the church, or whether it's in family, or whether it's with your children, or whatever the case might be, there's always something that you pray about and slug it out, but it doesn't just seem to be answered. You know something? When did God conquer Satan? Way back before even Garden of Eden was created. We have a tremendous picture of that as it relates to Christ being raised from the dead. Clear example. A clear picture of the Sovereign One in vital relationship with us. Conquered sin and death. And all of these issues with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know, someday it won't matter. Someday we'll reign with Him. And all of these issues that trouble us will be taken care of. What about the times when you have, in essence, kind of been tripped up a little bit? And so, oh, not again. The abiding 
presence of God's relationship with us gives us the strength to continue to persevere and to see it through. I mean, think of the wear and tear of all this stress on Elijah's life. But he prayed believingly and he heard the rain. Now, in the foreknowledge of God, as he prayed believingly, God has that wonderful relationship with Elijah. And when God wants to reveal his foreknowledge to us, he always reveals it to us in our heads. And specifically, he uses the ear to help us to first start to grasp what his intentions are for us. In the medical scene, of course, the doctors will often say that the last thing that goes as far as us going into unconsciousness is concerned is the ability to hear. We can be virtually unconscious, but we can still hear. By the same token, when we're coming out of unconsciousness, the first thing that becomes alive is our hearing ability. Even before there was a cloud... Nobody else even heard some of this stuff. Elijah, hearing the voice of God, that vital relationship with him, he said, it's going to rain. It's going to rain hard. He had faith to believe the foreknowledge of God as it came through his hearing gate, into his mind, satisfied his heart, brought his emotions into subjection, and here we see that together, Elijah giving ministry, giving words of encouragement, giving words of direction to the friend, his servant. So in our prayers this morning, as we intercede in the behalf of others or whatever, we pray believingly as we see it in verse 41. Now friends, I want to take it a little deeper for a minute. What about the prayers that we utter for our children to marry the right person. How many of us engaged in that? My wife did. And we've got a great daughter-in-law who loves the Lord deeply. And we've got a great son-in-law who loves the Lord deeply. They're just great kids. I wonder where it would have been if Karen hadn't practiced her prayers in that particular area. I was not as faithful in that particular area. My prayer life was more in the area of trying to fix churches and so on and so forth. That's why we're a couple, I guess. But we pray believingly. Elijah did. Absorbing all of these pressures around him. And secondly this morning, Elijah prayed preservingly. He said to the young servant, doesn't matter. I'm hearing this rain. I, I know what God is saying to me. I've seen how God works with Witness to my own head as it relates to fire will come from heaven. It's going to happen. It'll happen at the right time. It'll consume all of these issues. It'll bring to clarity who is the sovereign God. He has that experience as far as God's relationship to Elijah. My mic is falling off. Give me a second to put it back on. I shouldn't be sitting on a stool, they say. But anyway, I'll get it back on. And, and also to recognize that uh, 
at the right time, fire will come from heaven and will consume these people and the forces of the enemy will have a clear testimony of this thing. So Elijah says to the servant, go back seven times. Just prevail with this thing. How many times have we prayed for something for a long time? And as we prayed about that particular issue for a long time, in spite of the burden of it, there was that sense of God's presence with us, giving us rest and peace that He will answer according to His mighty riches, but it might take a little bit of time. I remember doing a funeral one time of, of a woman who prayed 32 years for her son. And she died not seeing her son become a follower of Christ. And I watched this woman pray for her son every time when she'd come to prayer meeting in church. There were times she would just break down and cry. There were times she would just lift up her hand and say, God's going to save this boy and I'm just rejoicing in that and I'm at peace and everything's fine. That son died, or that woman, mother died about eight months after her funeral. This son became a believer. Vital relationship with God. Devoted to God in terms of praying for her son. Interceding on the behalf of her son. Friends, Elijah, in his private relationship with God, prayed about this issue of rain. He also was concerned about the issue of rain as it relates to all that had taken place publicly. Fire coming from heaven. That is the core issue. Not so much that fire came from heaven, though that's vital. But more importantly, it was water that is needed for this particular nation. And also to cope with, as I mentioned a minute ago, to cope with Jezebel, who had no use for Elijah at any level. And frankly, had no use for her husband because there was that relationship between Ahab and Elijah. And when Ahab told Jezebel about these prophets of Baal being slaughtered, she got hopping mad. Friends, that puts tremendous pressure on Elijah. He doesn't know all the score because in the foreknowledge of God, God speaking us to our heads, He doesn't give us all the facts. But He gives us enough to keep wired to Him. To believe that through faith we will see these things come to pass. You know, I hope I'm in heaven when this son who found Christ eight months after her mother died, I'm hoping I'm there when that son goes to heaven and embraces his mother. I just can hardly wait to see that take place because of the faithful devotion of this woman toward God and God's faithful relationship toward her. I'm sure there's many of us in that same category here this morning. We're just waiting upon God to reveal Himself and to answer our particular prayers in spite of the pressures that we face and academics and job-related issues and church life issues and on and on we go with this whole thing. Can you imagine how tough it really is sometimes? I'm a grandpa now. I've been through our kids in, in, in school experience. Now we got our grandkids. 
One is 13 years old. And I look at my kids. Boy, they faced some incredible stuff when they were in school. But it's a whole lot tougher now with my grandkids. But you know something? God's light, God's relationship with us hasn't changed. We're going to reign with Him someday. It's all going to make sense. He'll give us the strength to cope with these particular things. I can remember when my daughter was t- taking her final class in biology at uh, Penn St- or at um, high school and state college. The professor who taught that class was a professor at Penn State. And he basically said to the students, which my daughter was one, you need to write a paper on evolution. And uh, convince me that evolution is number one as it relates to how this thing all happened as far as the earth is concerned. And he said, don't even think about writing the creation account in that particular paper. And I just sat back as dad, and I watched this thing. And I watched Heather and her mother pray about this matter for the period of several weeks. And Heather said, she's a, she's a bit of a feisty kid in a way. A little like her mother, you know. <clears throat> and she said, I am going to write as well in this paper the creation account. And she slugged it out. She, there was a couple of professors that were very godly and had this stuff thought through more so than I ever will and ever have. And she wrote this paper. And she got it back. And the professor said to her, You were a naughty girl. You were a naughty girl, grade 12. You know what that's like when you're talking to a girl in grade 12. The age. But, you said, but he said to her, Being that you presented creation so well, I'm going to give you an A. That's what you got. And when she graduated, and the, and the ceremony was at Penn State, the professor came up to her as she was walking out of the graduation ceremony that day, and, and this professor said to my daughter, you may be right when it comes to creation versus evolution. Now, I hate to talk about my kids, but folks, many of us in church this morning are in that category, aren't we? Whether it's kids grandkids. But God is faithful. Elijah prayed preservingly. Number three, Elijah prayed humbly. I got those two points turned around. Well, all right, that's my crazy mind. But Elijah prayed humbly. He bent down to the ground. You know, a good definition of pride, of course, is to is to recognize that um, as we're humble toward God, God gives us the understanding of the level of pride that we need. You know, we hear sometimes people are so humble, they just are so humble, they just don't do anything, you know. They just don't accomplish much at all. They're so humble. Humility is nurtured of God. He's the one who develops. He's the one who's responsible. And He's the one who's in control of us being a humble person. We don't have to necessarily work at it. 
we got to be obedient to it, of course. And Elijah was humble. He had all this experience of bringing fire from heaven. He had all that experience of the water remaining pure until he brooked right up. He had all that experience of having that new relationship with Ahab. He had all of this. But he still needed to be humble. Less pride, recognizing his desperate need of seeing water. So he put his head between his legs. Went up to Mount Carmel. Place of shelter. Place where it appears for so many Israeli people that God's presence is more real on top of Mount Carmel. Been there. Elijah was humbled. He prayed with great concern that he was a humble relationship toward God. He saw how much God needed to provide water. You know, he could also interpret the fact, was my mind playing tricks on me? Hearing all this rain in my head, not a cloud in the sky, this guy going back six times and no evidence of nothing. You know, how the enemy comes along and can try to trick us as it relates to some of these particular things. Put his head between his knees. Prayed humbly. Didn't lose his sense of godly pride. Stayed by the stuff and seen how God can ultimately bring victory to come to bear on these people. Elijah prayed, number four, successfully, verses 44 and 45. Saw a small cloud. And boy, just out of... Can you imagine a little bit of a cloud coming out of the salt water of the Mediterranean? And was starting to hold this whole development of a dark cloud with a mighty wind to engulf this particular country. Friends, this is the tough spot to be in the world. We talk about pressures that Elijah had as far as coping with Jezebel and Ahab and all of these people. But there's a greater pressure, as I mentioned a minute ago, and I want to repeat it. Praying for rain was a major, major issue. Why is there so much conflict in Israel these days? Because Israel has no water, or very little water. If Israel doesn't get water from the east, they're in deep weeds. That's why there's so much conflict. Beyond that, when it comes to some of these other nations looking upon Israel, they say, well, boy, we really can't touch Israel because there's so many other countries protecting them. That's why these nations are developing nuclear arms to ultimately get to the land of Israel. Can you imagine the Christians in this part of the world just coping with all that kind of stuff? Elijah knew that in part because of his words saying it's not going to rain. Now it's starting to rain, working with the servant. Now we see a little cloud the size of his hand coming up. Let's make, make it very clear this morning. How many of you bought a house in your past? Maybe you're in that process right now. How many times have you bought a house that was absolutely perfect? There was nothing to do. It was just, just fit like a glove. Yeah. Uh, not too many of us have done that. You know something? 
this relationship that God has with Elijah and Elijah with God didn't quite fit in all aspects of his life. Oh, God's relationship is eternal and perfect. But can you imagine Elijah sitting by that brook for these many months, waiting upon the ravens, wondering if this water was going to remain pure enough? And yet we see in these two verses, 44 to 46, what did Elijah do? He was an athlete. He ran ahead of the chariot for 18 miles and beat it. Can you imagine this athlete by the brook and by the rock pile, sitting there not doing anything, wondering what's going to happen when he had all these athletic skills? You know, not everything fits as far as our relationship with God is concerned. But God's relationship with us is always perfect. Is it just perfect today? You've got no problems at all. There's no reason to be concerned about anything. How many of us are in that status today? You know. But God is always with us regardless of the issue. Now let's take it one step further. The rains came. It was a mighty gush of water. Ran ahead of the chariot 18 miles. And my dad, when I was a boy, used to loan me out as a runner to help the neighbors get bring in the cattle in the fall of the year because I could run a little bit. Boy, I used to run all night from, say, 5 in the evening to about 8.30 at night to run like crazy to bring these cattle in. i get 50 cents for it. You know, big deal, you know. <clears throat> but here, even with this victory, now listen to me, even with this victory of water coming from heaven, what happened? Jezebel got so hopping mad because of what he was doing with the Baal worshippers, he said to Ahab and to Elijah, through a servant, 24 hours, you're dead meat. And I think for many of us, we have these kinds of struggles in life. We have to cope with these kinds of things. Elijah's intercessory work because of a deep, vital relationship with God. That's when prayer becomes effective. That's when it becomes real. We don't necessarily focus on all the things that just don't quite fit. Or something hasn't been answered for 25 years or 35 years. We know of the perfect presence of God here. Satisfies our hearts, that deep part of the heart that only God can satisfy. And because of our rest in Him and feeling safe. We can control our emotions and we can go on in victory as God gives us strength to live in all of these unsettled, imperfect situations. That is prayer. That's what Elijah was in. That's how he walked with God. Now, if this sermon makes any kind of sense to you at all, what you need to do, number one, is first, do you have a relationship with God and you're devoted to prayer? And do you see God's blessing on your life that in spite of the circumstances, hey, you're His kid. He loves you. 
And as you exercise faith in all these difficult areas, He still gives you deep within your heart. It's okay. Because you heard it here. God speaks to the head. Not like the enemy who speaks to the emotions first. And as a result of knowing in the foreknowledge of God in our heads, we can apply these principles by the person work of the Holy Spirit and we can make sense of life and carry on by faith. That's prayer. It's that simple, yet that profound. In conclusion, I want us to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. I'm going to read to you a verse or two. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. And I want to start at verse 24. And this is our conclusion this morning. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me get right to the issue here. Jezebel was determined to get her own way. She was opposed to Elijah. And when we have ought against someone else, we are opposed to that particular individual. If we're going to be strong in our prayer life and have a strong church... We need to make certain that we have nothing against anyone else. God, in all of His sovereignty, in all of His vital relationship with us, tells us, because of Jesus Christ and His shed blood, you're mine. There's nothing between you and me forever. In spite of the quirkiness of our relationships, sometimes, the abiding presence of God in relationship to us, and as we're devoted in prayer, He will make us a strong church. He will make us a strong individual. We have a wonderful testimony in this community. But could it be stronger? Because we learn how to make the adjustments in all the things that we're facing. And we see God's handiwork in blessing us as we're devoted to Him and a vital relationship with Him. that's the case, we'll look a little bit like Elijah. And regardless of the conflict toward us, Jesus reigns supreme. He's the boss. We're the under-shepherds. And we submit equally to each other, holding others in higher esteem than ourselves. As Janet comes and leaves us in our last number, let me pray for a minute or two. God, strengthen us in the inner man to hear the voice of the Spirit way before the event. And as we live by faith, may we see the witness of your grace, vital relationship with us, and people will find truth and be set free. In Jesus' name, amen.